All right, in the name of Jesus Christ. This evening, the Lord will fill you with the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, and the knowledge of him. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You will please him in all respects. You will bear fruit in every good work. And you will increase in the knowledge of God. I say you will increase in the knowledge of God. This evening, the word of God will enter your heart. It will give you a light. It will give you direction. It will heal you in every area. And most importantly, it will bring out a new level of Christ-likeness in you. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe, you give me an amen. amen. All right, it's our school of prayer. Let's uh, see whether we can round off what we've been talking about today and how to pray for the church. And just before I came up, a thought dropped in my heart. And I think that's where God wants us to start from. And I just want to read something from the book of uh, James. There's something that James said. He was talking about uh, prayer. Let's open to the book of James, chapter 5. We want to just um, read something James said there when he was talking about uh, why, how we should pray. He said, is anyone, verse 13, James chapter 5 from verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord, he says, will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah, he says, was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, please bear this in mind. Let me read verse 16 again. He said, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. I want to just read that in the Amplified Bible. He said, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. That is, it is dynamic in its working. What I want from there is the fact that he emphasized to us that the earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. The earnestness, the fact that it is heartfelt and it is persistent. That is what, these are the traits of that prayer that I want us to note this evening when we're talking about how to pray for the church. And I need to say this, all right, again as a reminder. Now, what does it mean to have earnest prayer, heartfelt prayer? It is simple. It's very easy to understand. What it means is that if you ask me to pray about a situation, if really I can't easily appreciate how it will affect me now, it doesn't mean I'm wicked. I hope you're getting my point. It doesn't mean I'm wicked. It's just a natural human thing. 
you know, I was thinking about it the other day, you know. The love of uh, parents for the children is one of the best ways to explain this love thing. As a matter of fact, I know I would, I know my wife would, and most parents will do this. If your child is in pain and there's a way, they said the only treatment is to transfer that pain to you, most parents will accept it. And for me, I even say that it's even the cheaper one because when the child is in pain, two of you are in pain. So if they can move it to you, only one person will be in pain, you will feel better. That is what is called love. That's what it's called love. Now, you know the truth? If they told you that another person's child is in pain, you are going to be less willing to accept that transfer. I know you are very righteous, so maybe you want to. <laughs> the truth is that most of us will be less, you know, willing. Now, let me just say something to you. It's not because you are wicked. It's just that you are not Jesus Christ. You can't carry all the troubles of the world. Each day has a trouble of his own. Is that not what Jesus said? Each person also has a trouble of his own. That's where I was going. <laughs> so sometimes it has been allocated. So there are troubles that affect you. You know, yesterday, um, over the last, uh, I think about two, three days ago, it was the 25th anniversary of the, uh, of the, the massacre in um, Srebrenica, 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 somewhere in Bosnia. During that Bosnian war, 25 years ago, I, I was watching CNN those days. I used to follow up with Christiana Mampo and all of that. These um, safe forces surrounded a UN safe zone, made the Dutch forces there hand over, no, surrender. They took all the Muslim boys there and men and killed 8,000 of them over the next few hours. They just shot 8,000 people. Now, we're watching it, and some people are still coming back. There are mothers that lost husbands and sons in one day. It was very painful, I mean, like for them, for the whole world. It was a terrible thing. But you know the truth? As bad as it is, we'll be talking about it and eating chicken. That's where I'm going. It's very, very horrible, but you'll be talking about it and eating chicken. I was telling my wife, so bad thing, you know, such a bad thing happened. We're discussing it. But you know the truth? Of course, you know about the Rwanda one. Three months, 800,000 people in three months. That was worse. 800,000 in three months. That one, it feels more home. You know, it comes down home more. That one, they talk about it. You, you can have the chicken in your hand. It's a bit difficult to chew. Are yeah, you getting my point? Yeah, you know, but you've heard me say, yeah, because it's getting down home. That's now black Africa. You're beginning to feel the infirmities of the people. I hope you're getting my point. All right? Now, you see where I'm going, please, all of these things. The closer something is to you, the more you feel it. It's not as if you're being wicked if you don't feel it that much when it is distant. It's just the way life is. That's why it's very difficult. I tell some people write and say, pray for me. I do the best I can. A stranger says, pray for me. Well, I do the best. But I keep on telling people, the best person to pray for you, listen, my prayer is not more anointed than your own. We are all children of God. Do you get my point? Yes, I agree that you will look at me because I teach the word of God and you hope that I practice what I preach. I have to say that because some preachers don't. So let's hope I do. And because of that, I should have some faith in what I'm saying, 
So my faith can join with yours. So because you have, and then sometimes what happens is that because you have such a high estimate of the preacher you listen to, that knowledge that he's with you boosts your faith. What is actually working is your faith, not his prayer. Because that his presence has boosted your faith. So if you have enough knowledge, you'll have known the best person to pray with is somebody who's close to you. Is your friend who's a Christian. The person that if you fall sick, he can't stay at home. Uh, do you get my point? <laughs> you know, there are people who just tell you that maybe they are not feeling well, their wives are not feeling well. And you know, I, sorry, can I borrow the word? I panic. Now, the panic is not, you know, it's just that I know if anything goes wrong, it's going to touch me. Are you getting my point? Yes. It will. So there's a way I pray for such people. It's with a different anointing. If I pray for my wife, the anointing is high. Pray for my kids, the anointing is high, is intense. Do you get my point? There are people that just tell you that they have a headache. You know, you just like, oh God, why will you have a headache? And then you wake up at night, collect the headache, put it into your head. And you pray from that perspective. That's how life is so. Your faith is, now, it's not, let me use the word faith, let me not use the word faith now. The heartfelt component of prayer, that's what I'm talking about, is united with faith for you to get results. In fact, that's what the Bible calls faith. He said, faith works by what? Love. So you must understand that the faith you are operating by is amplified by the kind of love that is in your heart. Sometimes people say that pray for uh, missionaries in Bolivia. And it's interesting because I, don't, I can hardly locate Bolivia on the map. Nor do I know any missionary that is there. I've never been there. I'm not, please get my point. I'm not saying it is wrong. I'm just trying to explain why it's a bit more difficult. But if you tell me, pray for missionaries in Meduguri, I know them. I've heard stories that reach home. Do you get my point? I've heard stories that will make you want to cry. Do you get my point? People that you know. So when you say pray for missionaries in, in Bono State, the way I pray eh, is different from when you say pray for missionaries in the Amazon jungle in Brazil. Maybe part of my problem is that God has not allotted that problem to me. Like I said, sufficient unto the day is even there is also sufficient unto the person is the allotment of the responsibility. Again, let's take a small digression. That is why in your life, eh, please, I'm begging you, have friends. Know who your friends are. Don't try and befriend those who don't like you. It's not, it's not a necessary venture. The people that God has brought into your circle, be good to them. Now, let me drop something along the line. Don't let people dislike you needlessly. Somebody will lend you his phone, you will break it, and you come and say sorry and drop it and walk away. They give you their laptop to use. It's from your hand to your fall. They say, I didn't know when it fell, sorry, and then you go away. You won't have friends like that. They, 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 they will not quarrel with you, but they won't like you. I'm, I'm very serious about it. One of the ways to make sure that you have friends is that, be a ni- when I say nice now, I mean like, 
Be a blessing to people. Be a blessing. They are packing to a new house. Either they built the house or they rented it. You didn't contribute money to build or to rent. Join to arrange the house. When are you parking? Go there. If you have a car, go. Put a few things here. Drive with them to the place. Carry the things inside. Say, ah, that's my little contribution. Always try and push a blessing into people's lives. Now, you're not doing it for the selfish reasons. I'm just telling you the advantage. The advantage is that people will love you. And then your problems will affect them. When they pray for you from the bottom of their heart, it will reach heaven. There are people that you, you, they, they, maybe they will call you and say, ah, well, they are in hospital. Ah, what happened? Their child is sick. It's okay. You forget to tell your wife, Zef. Then you sleep soundly. You wake up in the morning and I tell you that. I told you, I was, ah, okay, yes, it's true. You said yesterday. How are they now? Don't pray for such people because you don't even, you know, your, your prayer, the effect is, you know, it, it, it's dim. Low current. You know what they call low current? But I put that in my child is in hospital. You say, which hospital? You're already looking for your car keys. Which hospital? You're looking for your car keys. You say, no, no, don't bother coming. Don't bother coming. You say, okay, okay. Is there anything people will need? Then immediately you start praying. If they say that they have to do surgery, they need big money. Hi. Immediately they say, hey, which one can I contribute? You are calling people on the person's behalf, trying to gather the money. If you pray for such a person, it works. That is what is called heartfelt. Bear it in mind. You know, I was dropping a small key there. Please, don't live in such a manner that nobody cares whether you live or die. It's not good. You're not only losing physically, you're losing spiritually. It's not good. It's not good. There are people who just move around their lives. And all they are doing is sowing evil. My wife and I were talking about two days ago about one, one guy we met one time. I just said, which kind of human... You know, you look back and things that happened like 10 years ago and you wonder that, you mean that guy survived? That, how did you survive being so bad? You mean the earth did not vomit you? You know, you're just wondering. Now God is very patient. You know, as you grow older, you start understanding the patience of God. When you're young, when you say God is patient, you say, hey, amen, God, you're just thinking about your own sins. God is patient. But there are times you just look. You're not trying to be holier than thou. You just look at some people. Say, God, true, true, you patient. He will look and say, no, God, you are patient. You know, there are people that everybody they encounter, they defraud. The best I'm thinking about now, the people he defrauds most are those who are nicest to him. The better, the, the nicer you are to him, the more at risk you are. I just wonder, how do such people survive? Then you look up and say, indeed, the Lord is patient. Because then God say, man, no be God, you for don't pay me. That is me. If God gives me godness for 10 seconds, I'm looking for you. <laughs> so please, don't be like that. Make sure you're a blessing to people everywhere you go. Your presence should carry a sweet aroma. Are you getting my point? You don't have to be rich to, be, to, be, to do that. It's just an attitude. Just be, like Paul said, he said to Timothy, be generous and the thing about generosity is readiness to share. It's not having plenty. It's what? The readiness. The readiness. 
It's very important you get that, you know, as a, as a practice in life. Now, why did I drop that? Like I said, stand aside. So that, you know, God can take your matter. Because what God does this. Sometimes you are in trouble. You don't even know you're in trouble. You want, you want to go and sleep. And a viper is crawling towards your bed. And you have slept. Because let's save this boy's life. There's a lot of dynamics, all right, the way these things work. You wake somebody else up. You say, pray. Just remind. And if you remember a friend any time like that, again, another thing. Just drop a word of prayer. I say, ah, I've not seen this sister in a long time. Lord, keep her, bless her, wherever she is. Just drop it. Sometimes you wake somebody up, say, pray. And the fellow will wake up and just remember you. Oh. You know, just say what? Oh, I've not seen this guy in a long time. God, keep him more. Bless him. Because I needed that. An angel would take that prayer, approved by God, to kill a serpent. Then you wake up next day, you say, they saw a dead serpent at your front door. So I'm say, the witches are after me. No. God killed the serpent and kept it there. That's how it works. If you've read a lot of stories, you know things like that. The people, like, remember Lester Sumra told us, was Lester Sumra, one other minister, told the story. He, I think it was Lester Sumra. He passed out. He had dysentery, was somewhere in China, passed out, unconscious. By the time he woke up, he was well. He did not know that two people woke up in the American and remembered him and began to pray. And their prayers woke him up, raised him up. Do you get my point? It's very important. So I'm just going to emphasize the issue of heartfelt about prayer. A lot of times we raise prayer points. Many of us, and it's like I said, you're not wicked. You're not. It's just the reality. If it doesn't concern you so much, you find it hard to take it seriously. And for that reason, the prayer is not effective. Because look at what James said. He said it is the heartfelt prayer of a righteous man that is effective, that accomplishes much. That's the issue. That's what accomplishes much. Now, why did I, at least, just as a reminder, we've talked these things along the line, you know, over time. Why I'm remem- reminding us of this is this. That when we're talking about praying for the church, today I want to explain something to you. That's what just dropped in my heart before I came up. That's what I'm getting to now. Because I want, to, I want us to understand that we don't have the luxury of just overlooking it. It is not something we are saying do so that God can reward you. I want us to understand that when we say pray for the church, you're actually praying for yourself. You are praying for your life. You are praying for the lives of your young, uh, your loved ones. You are praying for your own, let me borrow the word for a moment, for your own comfort. There was something that God told them through Jeremiah. I'm going to send you into captivity in a place called Babylon. When you get there, pray, he said, pray to the Lord for the good of that land. He said, because in his prosperity, you will have what? Prosperity. It was an instruction from God. So when the typical Israelite, um, of course, Jew that time, we get down to um, Babylon, he should not think that because we are the special people of God, we will prosper even though Babylon is not prospering. God had given them an instruction. God said, I know the thoughts I have towards you. They are thoughts of good, not of evil. I want to give you a future. I want to give you a hope. So you will pray for the good of that land in which I'm sending you into as exiles. Entreat the Lord for its sake, because in his prosperity, you have prosperity. The word there is shalom, peace. 
So in his peace, you will have peace. In his prosperity, you have prosperity. If the land is at ease, you will be at ease. Now, sometimes we preach like this, that we are Christians, we live in Goshen. And um, so if Egypt is in trouble, we will not be in trouble. It's not always like that. There's another scripture which we just quoted now, in which God says, pray for the peace of the land that I'm sending you into as exiles. Okay, you can read that, Jeremiah 29. Now, I want us to understand, so for the, for the Jews in Babylon that time, they had to take that prayer personal. They had to take the comfort, the prosperity of Babylon as a personal matter. It was not just a Christian, in quotes, duty. It was not just a duty of godliness or righteousness. It was for their own good. And if, were, if the prayer was not important, God would not have prescribed it expressly. I hope you're getting my point. There is a reason why God ties our prosperity to things around us. And that's the reason. You know what the one reason? Because God is good and he wants to bless people. So when he wants to bless people, he says, Abraham, I will bless you so that you'll be what? A blessing. Part of that um, um, doctrine is what he applies when he says to Israel, pray for the peace of Babylon. The idea is that if he didn't do like that, a lot of us wouldn't bother. We wouldn't bother. We we'll, we'll want to build our house, have constant power supply, have water. You know, we have special way of gathering rainwater that will last us for six years. You know, and at the end of the day, we don't care. So God said, okay, do your house like that. Let me see the road that will carry you there. If you like, tie your street. There's a street that will lead to your street. Because if you really want to have this peace, no matter how much money I give you, even if your name is Dangote, eh? and you have all this money, then no matter what you do, let's say Dangote says, okay, wherever I live, you must have concrete roads. Then all of us will drive on it. Do you get my point? If between here and my house, I have so much money, I say, the road must be concrete, I don't like potholes. <laughs> you know, all the neighbors will say, amen. Praise God. Do you understand my point? <laughs> they won't be angry with me. Because the road, I will not drive on it alone. And God does that deliberately. He wants us to be a blessing to people around us. He doesn't want a situation in which the Christians will be professing faith and the nation around is in darkness. Because we used to believe things like that before. That even though everything is dark, we'll just be in the light. What did Jesus say? Arise, shine. Do you understand my point? Your light must touch the places of darkness. It is not glory to say that even though there's darkness around, I'm, no, I'm in light. No, God said, okay, so... Where are you shining into? Light shining into light. Bros, come on. Continue, enjoy. Light shining into light. No. When God gives you light, where does it shine into? Into darkness. So it's an indictment on us. If we believe the word of God, we believe prosperity, then after a generation, a whole generation, the environment around us hasn't felt the prosperity. We have failed. Do you get my point? Listen to me. God tied us to the things around. He didn't... It didn't tie us to the things. What well, I'm like, we're not following the things around. The things around should follow us. We should take the lead. Our blessings should be felt around. That's just the way God has done it. Now, having established that the things around will affect you, like today we're talking about lockdown, lockdown, no coronavirus. They said, they said that uh, churches are still locked down. You know, sometimes pastors will complain. Why should government lock, 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 uh, lock down churches? Churches as important as uh, as markets. Churches are important as this. Eh? You know, we just provoke, we vex. I know we have this attitude of um, 
persecution. We have been persecuted. We didn't want to go to church. It is God that locked you down. Let me just tell you, especially those of you in Lagos. It is God. <laughs> it's God. We discussed your matter today. You want, to, you want to know what we said? God said, go and rethink about that your industry. Convert it back to a spiritual matter. The industry side of your meeting is too plenty. So God locked you down. So you will calm down and think. He will soon open you up again. Don't worry, coronavirus did not lock you down. All of us were are believers, amen? I just said those who are in Lagos as an example. Whenever you are locked down, government didn't lock you down. It is not coronavirus that locked you down. It is God. Settle down. Don't feel, you are not being persecuted. Trust me. You are not being persecuted. Those who say don't go to church, they are just afraid. And God is saying, listen, if you did not want to be locked down, there are things you should have done before now. And listen, you will, listen. If things don't improve, you will be locked. There's no prayer you want to pray against it. Why? That is the only way I will let. And many of us are praying. If you are praying like that, stop that nonsense prayer. You are praying that the churches will open. God said, don't pray that prayer. I won't listen to you. You have to pray for the whole society. That the whole pandemic thing will die down. That the mercy of God will come. Don't think that I will, I will open you while people are dying everywhere. If too many people die, I close you down again. Why? So that you will pray. You know, if church was going up, going on normally, we will come to church and be bragging. Praise God. They stop barriers, but we are still here. They stop parties, we are still here. People cannot even wait, but we are still here. Because we are the people of God. That's what we will be saying. Because I won't give you the mouth to say it. You know, we like to brag such bragging. We are living in a different realm. Amen. Hallelujah. That's how come they locked everything. Schools are locked down. Are we locked down now? God said, I will not let it happen. Pray for the peace of Babylon. In this no lockdown, you will be unlocked too. I hope you are getting my point. I'm getting to a point, all right? To understand the factual fervent prayer. Heartfelt, continued. God has tied these things to us. What's going on around? Reflect what's going on with us. Alright? Now, having explained that, let me remind us of something again. The church is a light. Amen? Jesus said you are the light of the world. He said the light, the, uh, the eyes is the light of the body, right? The eyes is light of the body. And I say if your eye is single, that is if you are focused, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad or lacking focus, your whole body, will, of course, your body won't have light. And I say, if that which is light in you is dark, now I want to modify it to make it simple. If your eye, if the light that's supposed to be in you is not producing light, but is bringing forth darkness, he said, how great, Jesus was speaking, is that darkness. Now, he was talking about the body, talking about the eyes, but I want us to look at it. I put light for a body. That light must work. If that light is not working, the body has no hope. I hope you're getting my point. Now, let's go back to the issue of seed and flesh. On this earth, God has put a seed, that is a church. And there's a lot of flesh around it. We're talking about Nigeria as an example. That is a church in Nigeria. The church is a seed. The Nigeria is a flesh around it. Now, what I mean by flesh is that, um, like you take a mango, all right? Take a guava. The seed proportion is small. Most of it is flesh outside. Do you get my logic there? But the most important part is that seed. That is what brings forth the next generation. Do you get my point? But the flesh is there to keep it. 
like God told the people of Israel, look, I've sent into the land, but I won't clean out the land for you in one day. Otherwise, you will have to be contending with wild animals. Then the forest grows so big, you will not be able to overcome it. So let's leave some people there to take care of it for you. For that reason, God puts the church in a nation, as an example. And then inside that nation, unbelievers will do business. Unbelievers will live. Even those who have made up their minds, they will never give their lives to Christ. God will still let them thrive because they have to serve. I don't know whether you're catching what I'm trying to say. So, I mean, it is not as if we must be the one to drill oil, refine it, build cars, import things, export things. No, God has given everybody his own duty to do. That's what they call flesh. But in the midst of that, there is a seed. And in every nation, the seed is the church. So you hear, you hear things like the church... Okay, let me use another country. So, so it won't be like we're just talking about Nigeria alone. So you see the church in Ghana, the church in Sierra Leone, the church in um, uh, Brazil. Do you understand? That church is the seed of God inside it. And Jesus said that church is a light. I'll begin my point. So you are the light of the world. The church in Nigeria is the light of Nigeria. Please bear that in mind, okay? Now, he now said, if that church... Is not walking in the light as he is in the light, then it is emitting darkness into the nation, into the, church, the, the flesh I kept around it, into the nation I kept it inside. Jesus now said, How great is that darkness? Now, when he says, How great is that darkness? You know what he said? This darkness cannot be helped. God cannot do anything about this darkness. That is, any nation that God keeps a church. And they are not shining the light into that nation. The whole nation is doomed. Because the order of God, that's what Jesus said. You are the light. Let me narrow it down now. You are the light of your country. Now, light of that country, and then at the same time, the salt of the earth. Let's take the two of them. Light is not just that you are teaching people. Salt, which is part of it now, is, it means that you are the reason the nation will be preserved. You are the reason the nation will prosper. You are the reason why good will come upon that land. That's what it means to be the salt of that land. You are the reason why, even though we want to push judgment against it, we'll have to stay the hand of judgment. Why? Because salt is in that land. That is, if I go to Sodom and Gomorrah again, and I count ten righteous people for that reason, I spare the land, then you call those ten people the salt of Sodom and Gomorrah. But if the salt is no longer... Taste, you know, tasty. If it no longer has a saltiness, number one, the salt is, has become useless. But very importantly, then the place has no hope. Sodom and Gomorrah will have to be overtaken. It will have to be judged. It will have to be judged. Please bear these things in mind. Now, I'm not emphasizing something. So, we're talking about praying for the church. We are not joking. I've established, first of all, that God deliberately tied us. So that if you don't, if the church does not do its work, the nation will suffer. And if the nation suffers, he said, if the nation does not experience prosperity, pray from now to tomorrow. It's not like faith does not work. I deliberately said, no, I want you to do your duty. Do you get my logic? Because he said it himself. I'm not the one that said it. I've sent you dead deliberately. You are citizens of, uh, citizens of heaven, so I've put you on the earth as exiles. Just like Israel went into captivity. It's something like that. So you are in the land. Is like Israel being in Babylon. Make sure that things work out well there. Because I deliberately tied it. Let's, let me give an example. 
Why should things work out well? Take this current pandemic. Can you organize an open air crusade now? No, there's not about faith and I can do all things. I know you can do all things. Including staying at home if you're ordered to stay at home. You can do all things. Amen? So what I mean is they just be open about it. Can you now announce that you want to organize a crusade? No. I mean, we had programs planned. We're supposed to be in a way, Orca, Port Harcourt, Makodi. These are places where you know, halls have been booked. You understand? Most of them, apart from where I think we had booked Port Harcourt, they had made arrangements. Makodi, Orca, they had made arrangements. Many of them, monies have been paid. Then, lockdown began. We had to be, in fact, we're already announcing Orca Zone. It had gone on radio a number of times. We had to discontinue the announcement. We normally go bless people for two days. It hasn't happened since that time. I mean, many places, we had the whole year arranged. My local annual convention, which if you have listened to me long enough, you must have known about it by now. It has held every year for th- since 1990. It has never missed until this year. The first one was in 1990. It's held every year, constantly. This will have been the 31st or 32nd, Abby. All right? The 31st, yes, thank you. It didn't hold. Believe me, men of faith are there. Our current president is Pastor Courage. We can pray heaven to come and stay on the earth. In fact, at the point in time, you know, we, we, we meet on a virtual meeting and we pray. At the point in time, people say, we're praying this year, our convention we hold. I couldn't, I couldn't say amen. As we're letting the prayer in my mind, which convention is holding? Leave that in. Because <laughs> this is praying, I get faith though. Because me, I don't have this. I say, this one, here holding. That is at that time. So we just say, okay, we'll release announcement, let's postpone it. The point I'm making is this. It didn't hold. It's not lack of desire. I can assure you it's not because God doesn't want you to hold. It's because Babylon, in quotes, this, the, the place where we are in exile, is out of order. So God said, sorry. I know you have a lot of faith. But if court boys are fighting on the streets, and you're the pastor of a church, you open the church, there are some, some Davids like you and men of David who will come to church. But most people will not come. If your membership number is like 200, when you are hearing tua, 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 that day, as a pastor, you will, you will pass through the valley of the shadow of death to get there. But let me be honest with you, you won't even bring your wife. You tell your wife, just stay at home, let me go. As you are telling your wife to stay at home, so are the other church members telling themselves to stay at home. <laughs> so God said, why didn't I let, give you the faith to just go in, even though you can walk on water? I want you to pray, because if you don't, the riot will not stop. The fighting will not stop. Young boys will lose their lives. Stray bullets will kill people in their homes. And then they will not be saved. And they will be in church clapping hallelujah. I don't like it like that. I've deliberately tied it so that you will pray. Please, I hope you are following my point. So the church must do its work. We are held responsible. We don't have to start teaching on that again now. We are held responsible for everything that happens around the Red Prince said, in any nation where the church is established, God holds it responsible for everything that's going on in that nation. We are held responsible. If you see young men spending all their time scamming people on the internet, 
and driving flashy cars from stolen money, you know what God says? You are responsible. If you see corrupt politicians in office, thriving in office, God says you are responsible. What is your duty? Bring light into the place. So when you want to pray for the nation, you get my point? A critical part of your prayer, if not the major part, is for the church of God in that nation. So it can shine its light. Now, this is where I was going. If it doesn't, it will touch you. Let me say something to you, right? Don't think you were wrong. This running thing doesn't work. What did I say? Let me see what I said. This running thing does not work. What did I say? Unless God is not marking you. If God is on your case, okay, let me just tell you a story. Maybe you have not heard it before. There was one prophet. His name was Jonah. Have you heard the story before? They said, go to Nineveh. He said, I will flee from the presence of God. I'm going to Tashish. God said, all right, let us go to Tashish. On the road, the angel on the boat started dancing. The boat couldn't balance again. The, as the angel was dancing on the boat, the boat was doing like this, like this. They said, this is stop. God said, Shibi, you are going to Tashish. You will only get to Tashish if I'm not on your case. Listen to me. If God places you somewhere, and it be a blessing to that place, if you leave that place and go somewhere else, either to look for a blessing or to escape from trouble where I say you should bless, are you getting me? Or you want to go and bless somewhere else, you will never meet peace over there. God will stand against you wherever you run to. That's not a joke. One man taught us something. You know, sometimes when you fear God, eh? let me tell you about the fear of God. The fear of God is not a uh, praise God. I love the Lord so much, I want, to, I want to do something for him. So what do we do, honey? You tell your wife, what do we do for God? Let us fear him. Amen. Say, oh, Lord, we want to just say that we fear you. Amen. Do you like that? <laughs> Nonsense. You know why we fear God? He's fearful. You know why we fear God? It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Because the Lord our God is a consuming fire. You know why we fear God? <laughs> because we don't want to cross him. No, we don't, want, we don't want it. That's how we fear God. It's not a favor we are doing for him. Lord, I see. Okay, we fear you. What do you think? So what do you give to us seeing that we fear you? No, it's not like that. We fear God because it's to be feared. Why am I saying so? Many decisions I made in my life is because people taught me. They didn't say, Banky, fear God. They told me the consequences of not fearing God. Let me give you an example. As a house officer, those days, shortly after I left school, this was 92, I was in Adoikiti. And one man that time, I've not heard much about him in recent years. His name was, was um, Larry Adeboye. So many, many of, a number of you may know him. He came to our church to preach. And he preached on year by year. I had that note for it. I think I must have had that note. That note, the note I, took, I had it for a very long time. You know, the man explained the story of Hannah. But he started by explaining something. That Hannah and um, that's Elimelech and um, Elkanah that they were contemporaries. 
that, unless I'm mixing the stories up now, but it, it, it tells us something. That God was looking for a priest in Israel. That Elimelech carried his wife and children, ran to Moab to go and look for money. So God killed him and killed his two sons. Bros, after he hears things like that, you know you never run anywhere to look for anything. I said, eh. That God, that the need of the moment was for credible prophets and priests in Israel. That Elimelech now got up and ran to go and look for money in Moab. Eh? You know, so I would tell you that, no, you don't need to fear God. God loves you. You know what God said? Because I love you, he told Israel, therefore I will punish you for your iniquity. So don't think this love of God is excuse. It is the reason why your life will not be straight if you don't deal with him straightly. If they didn't love you, he will just leave you. You know the way it is? If you have maybe there's somebody living with you, you try to correct him, doesn't listen. You try to correct him, doesn't listen. What do you do? You drive him away. One is your child. I will let you know that I'm your father. You're not the father in this house. You will use all forms of discipline. Because you can't drive him away. That's what they call love. It is not true love that God doesn't punish people. That is, you know what, you know what the Bible says? He said that's only for a bastard. He said if we have a living father, then we have to be chastised. That's what, was it Peter, uh, Peter or James that was speaking? Please, let's get it clear. As a young boy, I learned that thing. The man, when he finished explaining to us that time, uh, he taught at length. That day, that was the day I told that when he finished teaching, I wanted to start praying. The Holy Spirit just said, Banky, you have heard everything I said. Now sit down. Just absorb it. After that day, <laughs> I'm not lying. After that day, when people say that, you run here. Money is here. If you look at it, did you know Elimelech went to look for money? <laughs> all I'm doing is thinking of Elimelech. Do you know where he went? That's all of this nonsense. So. What am I going to say? I want you to understand something. You can't run, no. Let me give it to you direct. If God has committed to your hands the responsibility of making sure there is order in this nation, as an example, wherever you go to, away from here, you will never find order in your personal life. You won't. It's called the fear of God. You know, one guy said, I saw it on Twitter. He said, listen to this guy. It's not for the faint-hearted. Now listen to me. I, I don't blame him. It's for things like this that I say. But if, 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 if I want to chop life, I won't listen to me. Anybody who has come to this life to hammer, you can't listen to me. You can't. You can't. If you, if you, if the day you buy Bentley is what you are thinking of. I'm not your pastor. Okay, when there has a friend that can recommend. <laughs> Please, follow me. We have a responsibility. We can't run away from it. There's a way God has done this life. Do you understand? It is that when I've given you a responsibility, your name is Jonah. You won't make it to Tashish in peace. Try. Just try. So when you realize you're not going anywhere, do you know what you will do? You will pray. When you realize that if there is trouble, sometimes, let me tell you what God does for his people. He said, look, I'm bringing judgment upon the land. Why am I bringing judgment? Because I sought for a man. Who will stand between me and these people so that I will not pour forth my wrath? I did not find any. So, 
This is what I'm going to do. So you now arise as a righteous man. God, please have mercy on us. God will now look at you. He said, you, I will give you your life as booty. That's all you are going to get. And when God tells you, I'll give you your life, you know what it means? They will bomb your house. Well, you won't die. Your children will not die. You will move away. You will be a refugee for a year. Because you are righteous. If you were not righteous, you would have died. But because you prayed, I will have mercy on you. What does that mean? I will take your house. I will take your businesses. But you won't die. Your children will prosper. There's not a problem. But that's after 20 years. They are young now. They are still 5, 6, 7, 10, 12. I will settle you guys back after like 15 years, then they will start developing. By the time they are 40, they will be established. You will be an old man in their house, looking back and telling stories of how you used to be the chief those days in your area. And that is the best I can do for you. Now listen to me. I know some people who preach faith will not like me. So let's get it clear. I know as you are nodding your head, you are shaking your head that I disagree with you, Please stop shaking it, otherwise you have neck pain. Let me preach my message. Like, the, like Mike Mudok said once, you go and gather your own congregation, preach your own message. Go on Twitter, preach your own. Please, don't do Jeremiah and Zid Zedekiah, the other guy now. Let's not do Jeremiah and the other prophet. You say two, tw- two years, they will be out of captivity. I am telling you, God says 70 years. So please, let's not argue with you. You know, when you are preaching, when they've learned small, small scripture, they won't let you talk. You all look at them and say, let's not, let, for if you talk now, you'll be like pride. You want to say, come, what do you know? This is you want to say now. Let me give to you who started teaching the doctrine and how many people learned it before you. We also learned it too. Then we grew up and realized that the whole Bible is complete. We take from the old, what you call old, the law and the prophets. We come to the New Testament. We take Revelation, put everything together and have the whole counsel of God. Don't think God owes you a Lamborghini on this earth just because he gave your life to Christ. He doesn't. Don't think he owes you a Bentley just because you say you are serving him. He doesn't. He does not owe you a duplex. He doesn't. Go and see Abraham, your father, that he called. He left him in a tent the rest of his life. So please don't argue with me in your heart there. The Lord is good. Mm -hmm. Let's continue preaching the gospel of God. Listen. So God says, listen. Do what you are supposed to do. Do you understand? Because if you watch and let calamity come, if it comes, I'll still hold you responsible. I may not give you the same punishment I'm giving to the unbelievers. Do you understand? But if I said to you, do what you have to do spiritually to ensure that peace thrives around you. If you don't do it, if peace does not thrive, you will also be disturbed. You will also be disturbed. Let's get down to our own situation now. What am I saying? If the church in this nation does not do its work, the nation will be full of darkness. I hope you're getting my point. And it will affect what is going on around, and every one of us will be affected. God will spare us to different levels, but generally we'll be in an atmosphere that is not the perfect will of God. That's what I'm saying. Now, Please, I'm not here to judge anybody because I don't know the facts and I'm one person that God has given that blessing. I'm very good at just looking and saying I've only heard one side of the story. Now, the chairman of EFCC was arrested, was charged, well, not charged, sorry. 
accused. He's been investigated, whatever it is. I don't know whether he did anything. I'm not trying to say he did something. But I talk with some people, and I say, hey, look at this country. Even those who are supposed to be fighting corruption. I said, what did you think? You've heard me say it many times, that a thousand Buharis cannot remove corruption from Nigeria. It's not possible. Now, I don't know whether the EFC chairman did anything or he didn't do anything. I'm not talking about it. I'm really, I mean it like that. I'm not trying to be nice. When I read the story, I said, I don't know. Accusation, look, the vice president has sued the person who said he was giving money. And I don't believe this, I know I'm biased, all right? I don't believe the man took money from anybody. So he decided to sue. So they can accuse you wrongly. If you're a public figure, you'll be accused of anything. Do you understand? So I'm not trying to, I'm not taking sides. But the point I want to make is this. It is clear. I said it before, and I'm saying it again. 1,000 Muhammadu Buraris cannot remove corruption from Nigeria. They can't. It's not possible. It's not a one-person one thing. Now, let me tell you something about corruption in the nation. It's everywhere. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. They will have Christian pilgrims, but they'll be chopping money. Do you hear what I said? Yeah. Christian pilgrims. Pilgrims. Pil- I'm inviting pilgrim, pilgrim because they are supposed to be pilgrims on the earth. And they are, eat, they are still eating money. One of our friends, a pastor, he was on a particular board for one state in Nigeria. I won't tell you which state. Don't worry, it's not a no-go state. So one day he called me, he said, Pastor Banky, he said, what my eyes saw? He said, if you see this old man, you lose respect for them. He mentioned one big bishop, one of these big, big bishop, head of one of these massive churches in Nigeria. He said, if you see him fight over Esther code, he said, Pastor Banky, you will lose respect. He couldn't believe. He said, Pastor Banky, he said, you will lose respect. If one of our brothers says something, he says, he doesn't tell his wife. Because he wants his wife to be able to respect men of God. I've seen all kinds of things. The same person told me a story that when they go to government house, he said, when you see men of God, kill off for money. You just, look, that's why you can't prophesy at the politicians. They, they won't listen to you. They know your prophecy has been bought, that he's prophesying that we will lose. It's because last time we didn't give him money. So the Holy Spirit is now saying that we will lose the election. So they have no respect. Don't blame them. When pastors go to government house to go and beg for money. Listen, let me just say something to us. If you're a preacher, you're listening to this. Go and read your Bible. The prophets of God, when Samuel will show up, the whole, all the elders will gather. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Have you come peaceably? Do you get my point? The elders will gather and say, prophet, Samuel came. Ha! Huh? Which one of you? Which one of you stole somebody's wife? Which one of you? Who was worshipping another God in secret? Confess now. Because the fear. I'm serious. It was fear. They went to Samuel. Please sir, have you come peaceably? He said, no, there's no trouble. I came to offer a sacrifice. Meanwhile, call for me, uh, Jesse. I, I need to talk to him. The people were afraid that Samuel is coming. 
Nathan showed up before David. David got on his knees. David began to cry. The man pointed, God says you are the man. But you see, you can't, anywhere they have been giving you food. You are coming to the uh, governor's house and say, ah, <laughs> your boys are around you. You, the, the, The boys can never prophesy. It's not possible. The spirit of the prophet will leave you. Even if he wants to talk, the man will not listen. What am I going to explain? I want us to understand our responsibility. That's why I say all the time, we are the only ones that can end corruption. The only reason corruption is still in the country is because we have not tackled it with us. Is it the lockdown churches? One of the things I believe God is saying is that go and tackle corruption. I will open the church. Some pastors are in trouble. Do you know why? They can't wind people for money again. Are you going to have a guest minister to come and tell lies on Zoom? <laughs> are you going to have a guest minister come now? For, are you are live streaming and the guy is telling lies there? It's hard. Please, I hope you are following what I'm saying all of these things. The hope, listen to this is a summary of it. The hope for the nation is the church. If the nation is not blessed because we did not do our duty, all of us will suffer for it. That's the summary. You can't run anywhere. You can't, don't, you can't escape. Forget it. Wherever you go, you're on a boat to Tashish. You can't escape. You can't. There is no escape. We're in a case of fight here and die here. I hope I get my point. You, are not, you, are not, you can't escape. It's a duty that he has given. I have if, look, I'm be, of course, maybe I'm being nationalistic. I don't, I don't know. No, it's not really. It's because based on prophecies. I believe that this nation has a special purpose that it must fulfill. The nation will not fulfill that purpose until the church arises and becomes a church indeed. Now, the church cannot, now, that's the main thing we're getting to, except you and I rise up and pray. We, it has reached point. I wanted to. I did all this teaching today to let you understand that it's not luxury. It's crucial. If you don't want to lose your business, you pray for the church. If you don't want to lose your house, pray for this church. That is the church of God, the nation. If you don't want to lose all your investments, pray for it. Now that's not the primary reason you are doing that. I'm just telling you the consequences. You have to. You have to pray for it. Because the light of the nation is the church. God has, listen to me, if God starts judging corruption, let me tell you how God judges things. There are economic systems God will introduce, which you will not like, and he will say to you, this is my judgment for your corruption. You say, what are you talking about? Just bring one crazy man one day, shoots everybody, creates one funny, hard dictatorship in the country. You can make all the noise you want. United Nations, look, America will not answer you. You think America always supports you? In Libya, you know who America is supporting? That's General. What is his name again? How many people follow world events? One general like this. That is, that's the man fighting the so-called legitimate government. But it's one America is siding. They're on his side. They're siding with that guy. You don't want God to introduce a hard hand to solve problems for you because it's never nice for anybody. 
Jeremiah that was a righteous man. Who, you know, the angels went out to go and mark. They marked Jeremiah. Do you know how he suffered? They would throw him inside the pit. Oh, let's not talk about Ezekiel. Ezekiel was master suffering. With all the visions of heaven he saw. Sometimes these people that see visions of heaven say, you know, if, the way we think about visions, when God shows you visions, praise God. It shows that you now have the keys to control the things that are happening. So you cannot call, you know, anything you want to be. I have seen that these boys who see too, me, too much of heaven, they suffer on this earth. Eh? Ezekiel was seeing all kinds of things. The wheel turning inside the wheel. This one happening. Angel, all, at the end of the day, because they lie down on this side. For how long? Just lie down there, I'm coming. Months later, the guy is still on one side. They are going to cook. You go and look for where the people poo poo in open field. Gather it to make your fire. Ezekiel said, What? Say, God, don't do this to me. God said, Okay, okay, I won't do it. Go and wear cow the shit, you know, cow. Gather it, use it to make your food. Pack your load, go out naked. Literally. There are things I will see. I say, God, can you just reduce the vision of heaven? Because. These boys that see too much, they suffer too much. With all the visions of heaven, Sadhu is seen. He only wears that cloth. You know, if I see visions of heaven, amen, I will increase the wardrobe. You are thinking. What am I trying to explain? Listen, people of God, we have a responsibility. That's what I'm trying to say. We have a responsibility. We do. We do. God has put it in our hands to put things in order. The church has to put itself in order. All of us, you and me, we, what we can do, and which why we're here, we have to rise up and pray for the church of God. We have to. If we don't, all of us will suffer for it. Oh, we won't suffer in heaven. No? I'm just the, the amount of discomfort we will experience on the earth. No, we wouldn't like it. I will not be able to run anywhere. There's no escaping. Please wipe away. If you are not, if you don't have, it, if you if you are not a, like my children and I have been studying, beautiful child. If you are not a beautiful child, you can be thinking of escaping. But if you are a beautiful child like Moses, that the parents hid because they re- realized it was a beautiful or proper child. That is a child of purpose. You know, there's no escaping. You have to pray for your own. Pardon me again to say, sound, sound like this. For your own comfort's sake, you have to. Just know that this nation will never... Uh, what I want to say eh, is not a prophetic word. It's not a bad wish word. It's just from experience. And having studied the scriptures and looked at life, this nation will never change. It will never improve by itself, ever. Nobody. You know, you just be going around in circles. No matter what you do, all right, it's not going to happen, that naturally speaking. It will not. That is, the country change, the country become better, it won't. You know why? The people will not stop being corrupt. One of the reasons, the people will not stop being corrupt. They will not change. The only thing that can change the nation is the church. The church has to change first. We have to reduce the number of lies we tell as a church to the barest minimum. Then corruption outside will start going down. We have to first be willing to accept reduction in offerings. Because we will announce stolen money is not welcome. We have to be willing. We have to be willing to do so many things 
Until then, we'll just be coasting along. We'll, ma- we'll manage our bad roads for a long time. They will not tell our, we'll be telling stories to our children when they repair the road. They, but the children, to their own, will still spoil again. The only good nature express will be back for another 10 years in their generation. You know, today again, I was looking at my phone. And I saw a video which I've kept there for a long time. We've, we've watched it together here before in our former venue of one lady that was speaking at one TEDx event in Berlin. And she said she's from the richest country in Africa. And one of the, she's from one of the richest countries in the world, from the richest continent in the world. She's from Sierra Leone, she said. And she began to analyze all the riches in Sierra Leone, beautiful, you know, uh, flora and fauna, that's plants and animals, beaches, showed everything. So that's just on the surface. Then she went down, that's below the surface. The biggest diamond ever mined anywhere in the world. One beautiful, big one that an old woman found in her backyard. People mined She kept on describing all the beautiful natural resources in the country. All kinds of things. She listed them. Nothing less than 10, you know, choice minerals. Then put oil at the end. That oil had just been found. And I said, with all of this, how come the African currency is very weak compared with the, you know, the um, European and the American currency? How come? And she kept on saying that Africa is the one actually subsidizing the rest of the world. And as she, I, was, I was watching it again today, and I, I felt like laughing. I felt like calling her to decide. In fact, I just imagined myself in that audience. I would have called her at the end and said, sit down. That is not what brings prosperity. I felt like telling her, oh, you have all these natural resources? That is not what guarantees prosperity. In as, it's people are either rich or they are poor. It's not the environment that is rich. It is the people. Do you get my point? It's not the environment. It's people that are rich or poor. It's not the environment. If God puts wealth in the environment, he can say you will not eat of it. He said you will look for much, it will come to little. Uh, do you get my point? He said you will gather, I will scatter. Please, don't, don't join people who are, keep on saying that Nigeria is rich. Nigeria is rich. Nigeria is not rich anything. It's human beings. It's, I'm telling you, no, no, we have, which, oil, which oil do we even have that you're making noise? 200 million people have less than half of the oil that Saudi does, a few millions have, and you say you are rich. Wealth is not these natural resources. I hope you're getting my point. Let me sit on my message. Wealth is the spiritual resources that we, the light of God, can bring into the environment. Do you get my point? Listen, the church has to rise up to be the church. So that the nation can feel its light. And then all of us will be blessed. If it doesn't do that, all of us will suffer for it. That's actually the message I brought for today. So that when you want to pray, know that you are not doing me a favor. You know, Pastor Frank said we should pray for the church in Nigeria. I think I should join him. Pastor Frank is a nice guy. He's been preaching to us a lot. So let's join him to pray for the church in Nigeria. No, you are praying for yourself, not me. You are praying for the destiny of your children. You can't run anywhere. Whatever you do in life, make sure that you strategize yourself for blessing. Do you get my point? Spiritual blessing is not for physical location. God has given us a duty. I'm more convinced of it now than ever before. I realize that we don't have a choice. Listen, if you're a pastor, you're listening to me. I just want you to know that there's a set of prayers we have been praying and will continue to pray that will enjoy you if you continue to tell us. And that's not a joke. God will have to cut you off the way doctors cut off cancer. Because you are injuring not just yourself, but everybody. 
If you are, listen, people of God, because we are going to pray. And I want you to understand. The person who is praying, the intercessor, must wash his or her hands first. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not just with the mouth. It's with our lifestyle that we pray. Judgment begins in the house of God. That's the time I'm talking, I speak to ministers of the gospel. Listen, God is going, listen, this season, look at what is going on outside. It's a sign of what will happen in the realm of the spirit. I've, I talked to another pastor this afternoon, and it's, there's something he said to me, very prophetic, which I've heard from somebody else before, and which I've always also said myself while preaching. And I know that after this season is over, God is going to come down with his power. I believe that. But what I want to explain to you is that it does, it's not a night. You know, you know, there's something like, was it Amos that said it? Amos said that, stop thinking of the day of the Lord as if it's a nice thing. Some of you are talking about the day of the Lord as if, as if it's the day of deliverance. Say, no, it's the day of judgment. Amos was explaining it. Now, let me explain what you call the day of the Lord. Imagine you are outside, you see a lion, you manage to escape, you run into a cave, only to find out that it's a, it's a bear that lives there. Or there's trouble outside. You run into your house. You close the door. You now lean on the wall. And you don't know that you just put your hand on top of the tail, tail of a serpent that was climbing the wall. So that's what the day of the Lord is like. Let me explain what I'm going to say. Some people say that Ananias and Sapphira were not Christians. Have you heard that thing before? That they were not born again. Good. I'm not here to argue it. But how do you know they are not born again? They lied and they died. Have you? Let me give you the word of God. Whether you are born again or not, if you lie, you also die like them. So don't be go, go, how can you even be a believer and you are hiding behind the fact that Ananias and Sapphira are not Christians? That's why God killed them. So what, what are you trying to say? So that I can lie, I will not die. No, some arguments don't even make sense when Christians get into it. They want to prove to you that God will not kill Ananias and Sapphira if they were really born again. Nonsense. The truth is that if they were, according to you, not me, according to you, if they were really born again, they wouldn't have lied. That's what you should be saying. I don't know what that is my point. Instead of you trying to defend their life, you should have said that if they really were born again, they should not have lied. Not as if, uh, if they were really born again, God would not have killed them. No. That's a very, very silly argument. Your argument should have been, or should be, that if truly they were saved, they would not have lied. But let me tell you the truth. Whether they were saved or not, anybody that toes the line of Ananias and Sapphira is going down too. Let me tell you, you know, why have people not been going down? You will say, well, have you been seeing the kind of miracles they saw that time? No, because, listen, I'm telling you the truth. You know, the shadow of Peter, you know what they call the shadow of Peter? Well, that's how they expressed it that time. Shadow is, uh, uh, Peter is passing. His shadow falls down. Yeah, I have a shadow. They have so many shadows because there are so many lights around. Which of the shadows do we use now? It's even, I'm even better than Peter. Peter didn't have no more of light. Now I can heal more people, you know? <laughs> but the point is, about it is this. The aura around Peter was getting people healed. That's the story about it. That was one thing we did not hear about Jesus Christ. Maybe he did it. In the case of Jesus, you had to touch him. You had to touch the hem of his garment. Peter walked past, and his ambience, the aura around him, got people healed. If you are praying for those days to come back, you are also praying for Ananias to die. Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You are praying at the same time that Ananias will die. Which is one major reason why God withholds his power. He doesn't want to kill. That's so. <laughs> you know, Peter right now is Ananias. <laughs> Sapphira 
is a the head deaconess in a church. Do you get my point? Simon the sorcerer. He is the regional bishop of some assemblies. Do you follow my point? If, if you see what some pastors claim they do for power, and they are bragging on it. I heard one the other day, I couldn't believe it. You know, there are pastors you sew a seat to. They give you a bracelet to wear. You can't operate. And you think Simon is also If he's now, no, Simon will look at Peter. What's your problem? I'm a bishop. You, don't you think so? He said, your money perishes. He said, hey, perish with who? My money has blessed many people. You are saying my money should perish with you. This guy doesn't even know ministry. He will tell Peter he doesn't know ministry. I know what happened to him. Nothing. He said, Pastor Mark, nothing will happen to him. Even Peter will go home and maintain. If Peter comes to church now, he will go home. He will say, Ikabod. He won't be able to, because you know what? When he comes out there, deep, he say, he look at Safira. By the time he finishes talking, Safira will be looking at what's wrong with this guy? Because he's not going to die. He say, is P- Peter without power? This is where I'm going. No, it's not like Peter was with power at that time, was with that power now. But the ambience is so polluted that Safira is normal. Why Safira and, Anais, uh, and her husband died that time was that they were abnormal people. Do you get my point? That was why they died. They were the abnormal people. When, you, when a man comes to church to raise money with a lot of stories, Ananias can do anything he likes. He can't die. If he dies, his dead body will query. Go to God say, why am I dead? The man himself has not, has not died though. God will say, hey, hey, sorry, sorry. The man hasn't died. No, go back, go back, go back. <laughs> I'm telling you. So you see what we did to ourselves? Like somebody said that one day one bishop was with, um, or two bishops were in the Vatican, I don't know, or they were counting money. And one said, ha, gone are the days. When the, when the church will say, silver and gold we do not have, because they had plenty of money. The other bishop said, that is true. So gone are the days also when they could say, take up your pallet, rise up and walk. So, yes, money came. We are bragging on it. But the power has gone. But let me give you the word of God. The power is coming back. Oh, yes, it is coming. It is coming. It is coming. It will come to pass in a short while that walking the supernatural will be commonplace in the body of Christ. Why are we preaching the way we are preaching? Because as the power returns, so will it be knocking off the Ananiases and the Sapphires. Yes. That's, that's, that's what the preaching is. Ananias was unusual at that time. He was such an odd figure in their midst. The Peter looked at him. The man dropped down dead. His wife came, showed to be of the same character as her husband. She dropped down dead. Simon the sorcerer, having believed, having been baptized, but still in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity, offered money to Peter. Peter said, I don't care whether you're born again or not. Your money perish with you. He was an unusual person. And this is what God is saying. It will come to pass that such people will become unusual again. 
the purity in the body of Christ it would be, be so high. It will, listen, listen. False prophets will be afraid to prophesy falsely. I don't know what I heard. I said, let me tell you what will happen. False prophets will be afraid. Listen, you know now everybody calls themselves prophet and apostle. You know those two titles are now the reigning titles. Apostle of prosperity, apostle of this, apostle of that. Small boys wake up and call themselves prophet. You know what James said? If they call you teacher, I don't even agree. But this is what's going to happen. That title, prophet, people will become afraid of it. I'm not joking about that. You say prophet, you say please don't call me prophet. Now, it's not because they won't be prophets. But they will just want, you know, know, I told I like Amos. Maybe I should go and add Amos to my name. They told Amos, stop prophesying. Go back to Judah and go and be making your money there. They thought it was business for him. Say, go and be prophesying there and be earning your bread over there. He must say, no, I'm not a prophet. Let's get it clear. I'm not a prophet. I'm a shepherd. And I also keep sycamore trees. Basically, I keep animals and plants. I'm a farmer. It's just that one day the Lord came to me and said, I should say this. Once I finish saying it, I'm going. He said, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. What does that mean? I didn't go to a prophetic school. Nobody trained me in how to prophesy. I was not in the class of the minstrel of Elisha. Once you get a minstrel to play, anointing will come. Nobody told me that. I was just on my farm one day. The Lord came and said, come, I want to send you somewhere. I'm here to deliver a message. Don't call me a prophet. I like him also. What am I saying? It will happen. That people, that title, now, small, small boys and girls too. They look for the title prophet. Just because they think it gives them clout. You know why they will start running away from it? I'll tell you the reason. It doesn't sound nice. Judgment, thank you. God will start judging. You get up, you talk. God will say, eh, go and do that which you have said. If you cannot do it, I will enjoy you. The only way you will save your life is to come back to the pulpit and say, please, guys, the Lord didn't tell me anything, no. That one I said the other day, nobody sent me, honestly. I'm not a prophet. Listen, I'm a teacher. I work in that school that... Uh, <laughs> And God said, put it on social media. That if you don't do it, that is, that's the only way to save your life. After everybody say, are you a prophet? Said, no, I'm not a prophet. That is, the ones that are real prophets, they will just come deliver their message, which is authentic. Then they will go back and sit down. Because, that people, because of God's judgment, people will be afraid of that title. People of God, that's when the power of God will come down. I hope you get my point. I'm done with teaching this evening. We are going to pray. Remember, this whole thing is to get one point out. And that is the fact that we have a responsibility to keep the church on the right path so that the blessing can spread to the nation that he has kept us in so that we will live in peace. Do you get my point? That we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness, which was what Paul said. Paul said it. You know what God said? Don't curse the head of state of your country. Yeah, because your words are powerful. If you tell, if you tell him he does not know what he's doing, you know what happens? He will not know what he's doing. Then you will not be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. So what should you do instead? Pray. Pray for all men, for kings and for those who are in authority. All of these things come, will come back to us. That's the point I'm making. That's why I quoted that also. 
But this time around, we are focusing on what? Praying for the church of God. Let's rise to our feet. Let us pray. I want us to begin to pray. First of all, let's start with thanksgiving for the knowledge of the truth that he has given us this evening. Let us say, Lord, thank you. Because now I have, I have the understanding that I have a duty. Let's say to the Lord, thank you for the knowledge of truth that you have given me again this evening. Once again, just open your mouth and yield your tongue. Say, Lord, I yield myself up to you. I yield my members as instruments of righteousness. I am a, I'm an intercessor, not an accuser. I want you to say that to the Lord. I am an intercessor, not an accuser. You are declaring that. You are committing yourself to it. I am an intercessor, not an accuser. I am an intercessor, not an accuser. I am an intercessor, not an accuser. In the name of Jesus, I do not work for Balaam. I do not work with Balaam. I'm not there looking for how to find fault, but I'm there to say, Lord, have mercy upon us. I am an intercessor. I yield myself as an intercessor. Lord, by the Spirit of God, I wake up today to my responsibility. Remember we said that is a heartfelt prayer. That's why we did all the talking, so that we can feel it from our hearts, knowing that we can't run away from it. Say to the Lord, I yield myself as an intercessor. I yield myself as an intercessor. I yield myself as an intercessor. I yield my tongue to speak and offer prayers. I yield myself as a priest of God. And I ask for mercy upon the church. We are praying for the church, not for the nation now, but the church in this nation. And if you are listening to this from anywhere, please pray for the church in the land that you are in. God cuts this, you know, the lands into different portions according to the number of the Israel of God. So pray for the church of God. There's a reason why I carved your nation. Those of us who are in Nigeria, we are praying for the church of God in Nigeria. That is the seed that God planted inside that country. So let us pray for the, for the church. Now we're going to take a few, prof- a few words that God spoke. Let me just quickly open to the book of Jeremiah chapter 3. We're going to use that to pray. Remember what we said before. That how do we find prayer points? Just see what God says he wants to do. Just see what he asks us to pray for. He said in verse 14 of Jeremiah chapter 3. He said, return, O faithless sons, declares the Lord, for I am a master to you. And I will take you, one from a city, and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Let me say to you, we have been brought to Zion. Somebody say amen. We have come to Mount Zion. Yes, once you give your life to Christ, you have come to the Zion of God. If you believe that, give me an amen. So then I will give you shepherds or pastors after my heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. That's what we're praying with. Deliver your church from people who just come to milk. It's a simple prayer. Say, Lord, deliver your church from those that just want to milk them, who just want to fleece them, just remove their covering, remove the wool on their body. You know, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than this? Feed my sheep. Say, Lord, give us pastors like Peter. 
Peter was never called a pastor like that. But so we know this was in that context. He said, feed my sheep. Say, Lord, give us pastors, shepherds after your own heart, who will feed us with knowledge and with understanding. Send laborers into the harvest field. That's another prayer point. It's part of it. Say, Lord, send laborers into your harvest field. Lord, send laborers into your harvest field. Lord, send laborers into your harvest field. We are asking of you that we will no longer be robbed and spoiled with nobody saying restore. So, Lord, give us pastors after your own heart who will feed us with knowledge and with understanding. It's a very simple prayer. Men and women that have insight. Men and women with insight, like Priscilla and Aquila, who were able to even set a man like Apollos right. God has called many people. They are hiding in different places. They are looking for daily bread. Say, Lord, send them into the harvest field. Pray that prayer. If you do that, God will go and push them from there. There are anointed people hiding in different places. They don't have to start churches. There are different ways. They can have Bible studies in their homes. They can have YouTube channels. They can have Facebook accounts. They may have a Bible study unit inside their church. Or indeed, God may have them start a church. Or a ministry like we have here. Whichever way you have to do it, Lord, send laborers into the harvest. One pastor cannot speak to everybody. There are people who cannot understand the way I talk. Maybe they don't understand my accent. They don't like the way I coin my words. But they still have, and it's not their fault. We're just, I'm just not directly sent to them. The only language as at now that I can preach in is English language. There are people that have to preach when in, Niger, in Eastern Nigeria here. There are those who have to teach these words in Igbo. There are those who have to teach these words in different languages all over the country. Somebody has to teach it in Ibibio. Somebody has to teach it in Hausa, in Kanuri. In full day. Somebody has to say, Lord, send laborers. Send laborers. Send laborers into your harvest field. People who would preach these words in the marketplace, in many of our markets, they have 12 noon fellowship. They have fellowship in the afternoon. They need somebody to teach them the real word of God that can transform the markets where they are doing their businesses. Say, Lord, send laborers. As you are praying, thank God that it's a lot of lockdown, even of churches. But it doesn't mean that the word of God has been locked down. The word of God has not been locked down. Say, Lord, your word is not locked down. Paul said, even though I'm in chains, the word of God cannot be chained. Uh-uh. <laughs> I want you to understand. Just say, Lord, these are the truths that you have taught us. Send laborers into your harvest field. Send laborers into your harvest field. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Another prayer point we should quickly take is still in this line. Let me just read from the book of Ephesians chapter 1. There are so many of them here and there, but this one is the one we learned those days. And so it's still part of us. We learned this from Kenneth Higgins. They made so much um, emphasis of it. 
Paul said, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists amongst you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers. What is the prayer? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart or your understanding may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, that is what he has called you to, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power that works towards us who believe. And he went ahead to explain some more things, but for time's sake, I'll just stop reading here. Now, what I want to say is this. You know, there's something that God says. One of the reasons why some false teachers prosper is because people love it like that. You know that? Yes. Some people just like, they like to be lied to. And one reason why they like to be lied to for some amongst them is that they, that's the little truth they know. So they hold on to that little. They don't know much. So only don't somebody who will reinforce it. For that reason, we need to pray. So I send God, send us pastors after your heart. The pastors also should meet people after God's heart. I hope you're getting my point. There are those who don't want, they don't want to hear the truth. So let us pray for the church of God. Let's pray that God will... Because there's something that God does. God took a man like Isaiah and told him to go and deaden the ears of people. Yes. Say, say to them, hear and don't understand. See and don't, and don't perceive. Sometimes it's a, see the spirit of dullness has been poured upon people. Now if that can be done, that tells me something. God also can put a spirit in people. Like he said, I will give you a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. You can, God can soften people's hearts. He can pour out his spirit of understanding on them so that the lead, as soon as truth comes, no matter how small it is, they catch it. Then they become difficult to deceive. Do you get my point? And they keep on increasing. Like one man said, he said, the more you know, the more you can know. That knowledge increases the ability to know. Do you get my point? So let us ask God, like Paul prayed here. Let's, you can just take your Bibles and use this one to pray. You don't have to pray something hard. Just read it out. Just like Paul prayed. Let's pray for the church, the people of God in this nation. Say, Lord, we ask that you will give us, every one of us, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Pray from that verse. You can just open your Bible so you know the words to use. Say, Lord, give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened so that we will know the word of God. So we will understand the person of Christ Jesus. So that we will understand the person of Christ Jesus. Fill us with the knowledge of your will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul prayed the same thing in Colossians chapter 1. Lord, open the hearts of your people to know you. Open the hearts of your people to understand you. Open the hearts of your people to receive insight. The seed of Christ that is in them, let it be activated 
so that they will you know they will enjoy the sincere milk of the word so that they will enjoy the sincere milk of the word and grow thereby these are simple prayers we should pray ask God to put a hunger for truth in the body of Christ so that if they sit in the church on Sunday pastor is there entertaining them next Sunday they will not come again they will say, I beg, let me sit at home and tune to... You no, know, there are so many people streaming on the internet now. We talk about the Roman road. They will say, look, if all pastor wants to do is entertain us, or, you know, just while away our two hours, three hours, four hours on Sunday morning, let me just sit at home and stream. Let me sit at home and join an online service. There are so many online services. Say, Lord, put that hunger for the knowledge of truth in the heart of your people. So that liars will not prosper amongst them. So that jokers will not prosper. Those who just want to come and waste their time, they will not prosper amongst them. So that those who want to, you know, take advantage of their ignorance will not prosper amongst them. Lord, release that spirit of understanding, that desire. David said, as a heart, that is, as a deer pants after the water brooks, so does my soul pant after you. Pray that the hearts of the people of God will pant after him. He said, my soul longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. What was David saying? The way a man thirsts when it's in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That is how my soul longs for you. He said, that thirst, pour it upon your people. We are asking that the church will be thirsty for truth. That the church will be thirsty for truth. For knowledge, they will hunger for the revelations of God. When people really don't want to know the truth, they are hard to deceive. And let's say to the Lord, let false prophets not prosper in our midst. Just say simply like that. Let false prophets not prosper. False teachers, let them not prosper. Whatever platform they are using, we are asking you, Lord, as a church, close them down. Close them down. Anyone that wants to be playing his jokes, but is not pretending to be one of us, we are not praying against such people. But anyone who wants to pretend to be a true church, but is lying in the name of the Lord, we are asking you, Lord, close them down. Let's ask the Lord that he will close such people down. Let's say one more, another prayer point. Let's say, Lord, that spirit of apostleship, the spirit that wants to spread the gospel. You know, for a long time, what has been happening in the body of Christ, that our focus has been on the spirit of prosperity. If you notice, what we, the churches want we don't want salvation for the sake of salvation, but for the sake of numbers in our assemblies. You know, it has spread all over the church. And it's not right. It's not right. I want us to pray a prayer. That, you know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You understand? The aim is to bear witness to all creation so that people can hear, believe, and be saved. That spirit of apostleship, that's what I mean. The ones that want to spread the truth of God just for the sake of spreading it. Let us pray that God will pour it, the Lord will pour it again over the, upon the church. It's a simple prayer. 
Say, Lord, pour that spirit of apostleship. As you said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Pray for the church in this country. That our desire will be to have everybody converted to, in the true knowledge of Christ Jesus. From the north to the south. There will not be anyone that will be looking for where to go and hide for the sake of our own comfort. Say, Lord, put that burden for lost souls upon your church. Burden for lost souls upon your church. That every one of us. I've had that experience before. The Spirit just come upon you. You want to tell everybody around you about Jesus Christ. You just want to tell everybody around you about Christ Jesus. Say, Lord, pour it upon us again. Say, Lord, pour it upon us again. That is what the church needs. Prosperity is good, but it cannot be our focus. Prosperity is good, but it can't be our focus. Our focus must be the reason why Jesus came, to seek and to save the lost. To seek and to save the lost. Yes. Say, Lord, put that spirit. God can move people to do things. Ezekiel said, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. God moves people to do things. You know, these days, there's so much emphasis on speaking in tongues as if that is the thing about being filled with the Spirit. The thing about being filled with the Spirit, Jesus didn't say, you shall, uh, you shall receive, what, what, how did he say again? You shall receive power from on high and you shall, be, you shall be speaking in tongues. That's what he said. You will be my witnesses. Tarry in Jerusalem till you receive what? Power from on high, not tongues from on high. Speaking in tongues is what we, we call side effects. That just happened. So if somebody, you know, somebody, I, we preachers we do that a lot. Once somebody opens his mouth and says, you say you are filled. Yet, he doesn't preach to anybody, does not lay hands on the sick, does not do anything. But he says, I'm filled with the Spirit. Then he will not, that's why I have, I have, I've had arguments with people. He says, if you are not speaking in tongues, you are not filled with the Spirit. I said, but what if you are raising the dead? I don't know whether you are getting my point. Because people like, um, what's his name? Dawi. They did not even know about it. And they didn't focus on it. In fact, she used to criticize Maria Woodward Etta. I'm not saying criticism is good. But I'm just saying that. But that way? No. Once he catches you, you are sick, you will get healed. I think the church will make so much, such a big deal. Somebody will, somebody will say, okay, I've been filled with the Spirit. Which year? Uh, in fact, I've been to church before. They say, are you filled with the Spirit? Yeah, give us evidence. They say you are filled with the Spirit. Evidence is let's bring you a sick man, lay hands on him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Lay hands on the sick. Let them recover. That was what Jesus said. We mark those who are filled with the Spirit. But we have turned it to... If Spirit is the Spirit, is just speaking it. Speaking in tongues is good. Though. I'm not saying this. Paul said, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Now, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that. I thank my God. <laughs> God has said, I'm not comparing like Paul could do. Okay? Well, I'm just trying to emphasize something here. I think we left to put our emphasis in the wrong thing. The, the right thing is the release of power. I hope you're getting my point. 
The people were filled with the Spirit. Then they left there and began to do wonders. Let's pray this prayer. Acts chapter 4. They were called, they were warned not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Then those ones now went back to their company and they went to pray. And it's that prayer I want us to, you know, to read together. Acts chapter 4. It said that from verse 23, when they had been released, they went to their own own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, Everybody, let's read everything from there together. O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. He said, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with all Gentiles and the peoples of, the land of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Now look at verse 9. Everybody go on. And now, Lord, take note of their threats, and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now let's just stop reading here. Now notice that verse 29. Their prayer point, the focus was what? Lord, he said, let your, grant that your bond servants may speak your word with boldness. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me say it again. We are praying now. Let us bow your heads we are praying. Lord, we ask for the church of God in Nigeria for a fresh outpouring of the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That the spirit of apostleship will come upon us in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, grant that we will speak your word with boldness. And as we are doing that, Lord, extend your hand to heal. And let signs and wonders take place at the mention of the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, let signs and wonders take place at the mention of the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that there will be a fresh outpouring of your spirit all over the nation, that is the church in this nation, so that our emphasis will be on the power that comes with it. Lord, let our preaching be followed with signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Lord, let signs and wonders become normal with us again. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Let's give the Lord thanks for we have prayed for he has heard us this evening. As we have prayed, let's give him thanks for he has heard us. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Because this church will be the light indeed. Yes, thank him like that. Tell Lord, this church will be the light indeed. We will be the salt of this nation. This church will arise. These are the things we have prayed for. These are the things we have prayed for. This church will arise and be the representative of Christ on the earth indeed. This church will arise and speak the truth. This church will arise and preach the gospel. This church will arise and repel evil from this land. 
This church will arise and repel evil from this land. This church will arise and repel evil from this land by doing that which is right. By preaching the truth of the gospel. And filling the earth with the salt of Christ Jesus. Yet this church will arise. Lord, you will defend this church. You will do miracles through our hands. Let's give the Lord thanks this evening. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let us give the Lord thanks. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for prayers answered today. Thank you. Thank you. We look with expectation as we see power return back to your church. We look with expectation as you use each and every one of us to demonstrate your power. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Let's take our declaration, our, our grace as we share the grace. So let's declare one to three.